Hello and welcome to The Lancet Podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, June the 26th. This week's issue and podcast is another themed issue, this time alcohol. In the issue of The Lancet, dated June the 27th to July the 3rd, we have a series of three short articles which highlight important but underestimated negative effects that alcohol can have on population health. In a moment, we'll hear from Kelly Morris interviewing Professor Sally Caswell, one of the authors of The Call to Action, the final paper in the series. But in summary, here are the main headlines from the alcohol-themed issue. One of the main points from the series is how alcohol accounts for 1 in 25 adult deaths worldwide. Another message from the series is how making alcohol more expensive and less available, including advertising bans, are highly effective strategies in reducing the harm of alcohol on public health. And in the final series paper, which Sally Caswell will discuss in a moment, there is a call to action for a framework convention on alcohol control, similar to the framework convention for tobacco that was created a few years ago. Complementing the series, we have a research article, a large epidemiological study, looking at premature deaths relating to alcohol in Russia. Amazingly, more than half the premature deaths in Russia seem to be attributable to alcohol consumption. We have a comment saying alcohol, or specifically the negative effects of alcohol on population health, must be given greater political priority. And another comment stating how fixing a minimum price of 50 pence per alcohol unit could substantially reduce the number of hospital admissions every year. These and other issues relating to alcohol and health are covered in the long editorial this week. But to give us an overview, let's hear from Professor Sally Caswell, who is a public health expert based in New Zealand. She is the author of the Call to Action third paper in the alcohol series and is the subject of the profile in this week's Perspective section, written by Kelly Morris. So let's hand over to Kelly Morris and Professor Sally Caswell. So I'm here at the Global Alcohol Policy Alliance interviewing Professor Sally Caswell, who is the Director of the Centre for Social and Health Outcomes Research and Evaluation at Massey University in New Zealand. Why is it so important to quantify the health and societal burdens of alcohol use? Well, I think one of the first things that strikes you when you you start to think about alcohol in the current world situation is that it is remarkable that there is so little regulatory framework around alcohol. If we think about illicit drugs, we have a very clear regulatory framework. If we think about tobacco, we now have the Framework Convention on Tobacco. But alcohol has just not been subjected to the same scrutiny and therefore to the same societal response. And I think one of the key things that we need to do is to make visible what impact alcohol is having, not only on the drinker, but on the people around the drinker. That's a a current research focus that I think is very important that we don't have well documented. And when we do have a better handle on those sorts of figures, we can see that it's really making quite an important contribution to the global burden of disease, and it really does require more action than is happening at the moment. I understand that there is a lot of evidence on what interventions do and do not work so far. How can this evidence on effective interventions be implemented by nations and communities, and what assistance do they need? You are correct. There is a lot of evidence of what are effective strategies and they basically focus on regulating the way in which alcohol is is marketed, the way in which it's distributed, the supply side if you like. So they change the environment in which people make their decisions about buying alcohol, about drinking alcohol. 
taxation is very important, other aspects of availability, the hours, where you can buy it, the density of the, of the outlets, the marketing itself, the way in which all of the media are being used to market alcohol, obviously drink driving restrictions, those kind of things. How can countries be assisted? Well, that's a very good question. Many countries have good technical knowledge about what works. The difficulty is achieving the political will to put those those policies in place. This is obviously an area with huge, very powerful vested interests concerned, and, and just as with the tobacco situation, they play a key role in influencing policy. So sometimes it comes down, I think, to, again, knowledge, information, the role of the non-government sector, the role of civil society in ensuring that governments feel that they really have the people behind them. There is a community will for change, for greater restrictions, reduction of alcohol-related harm. But then I think in other countries, and particularly where we have the emerging markets, in the low- and middle-income countries, which are just beginning to you know, move from very low numbers of drinkers to much much more spread through the society. There probably there is a really strong argument for technical input because there people don't know the evidence on what really does make a difference. And in both circumstances there's a a tendency to go for the face validity option which generally tends to be education, very often focused on young people, mass media campaigns, that sort of thing. And unfortunately the evidence is clear that this is not going to make a difference to reduce alcohol related harm. So I think we've got those two aspects that are crucial, that the advocacy to ensure that the, the political will is there and the technical information to ensure people know what will really make a difference. And where would that technical input and assistance come from, do you think? Well, I think if we look at the tobacco arena again as a, as a very parallel situation, I think under the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, a lot of information and communication coming from the World Health Organization, which has the major responsibility in this area, and going out to national governments and enabling regional interaction as well so that countries who are facing particular cultural and political situations can share learnings from each other. One of the great values, I think, of the Framework Convention opportunity is that it allows countries to debate the issues and discuss the issues and exchange technical information. So I think that it's obviously, unless we see a major change, and it's highly unlikely, I think the World Health Organization is going to retain the major responsibility for responding to alcohol. But we really do need to see a big step up on their part in terms of providing technical information and for that of course they need the resources. You mentioned a framework convention on alcohol control which I know you are a major proponent of. How might such a framework be developed and what content would you like to see included? Well, again, I think if we look at at the um, tobacco framework, that was obviously, it took a number of years, it took a number of very, very delicate and difficult negotiations. But the beauty of the Framework Convention is that it does put in place a framework, it does put in place the opportunity for countries to come together on a regular basis for different sectors within the community, so the, the trade people meeting with the health people and so on, and to develop over a period of time the details. So the Framework Convention really gives you the the broad framework, but the detailed protocols can be argued over a period of time. And I think that's the framework that we need in alcohol. And I think we've got a very good learning experience from the tobacco learning experience. But of course, again, 
we have the same difficulties in that basically what we're talking about is restricting the marketing of a product which is achieving a lot of profit for the big corporations involved, just as was the case with tobacco. And obviously the big alcohol corporations are very, very concerned and very keen that we don't go the same route that we went with with tobacco. But from where I sit from a public health position, the parallels are really clear. We have to control, we have to regulate the distribution, the marketing, the supply side. We have to have strong taxation policies in place. And these really need to happen or else we're not going to see a reduction in alcohol-related harm. In fact, because of what's happening in the emerging markets, we're going to see globally an increase in alcohol-related harm, I think. Looking at the converse side of the comparison between alcohol and tobacco, obviously a framework convention would differ because it seems to be that there are few harms and maybe even some benefits from, say, one glass of wine a night, whereas people who smoke cigarettes and use tobacco tend to not have that pattern. They tend to be chronically addicted smokers. So what differences might you see between the tobacco and alcohol frameworks? I think the the main, I mean, without getting into too much detail about what the parallels are between the, the dose levels and the effects of alcohol and tobacco and I think they can be debated but I think the main key factor is that societies will differ in the objectives that they set that there is a societal consensus in many countries in the world that they're really hoping to reduce tobacco use right down to a very minimal level but the framework convention allows for an objective of a reduction of harm and that is the parallel with alcohol what we want is a reduction in harm we're not going to have to see a reduction in the use of alcohol in the same way that we're going to see the reduction in the use of tobacco but the objective of the reduction of harm will only be met by the same sorts of environmental strategies in alcohol as we've seen being put in place in relation to tobacco so ultimately professor caswell what is the aim of your work well the aim is to reduce alcohol-related harm. That's the bottom line. I think in any society that has alcohol, there's never going to be a complete elimination of harm. It's a matter of reducing risks to the community as a whole and to, to the individual drinker. And I think what the public health framework does and what the environmental strategies do is that they provide a safer environment, a more supportive environment for people to make decisions and to behave in a way which reduces their own risk and reduces the negative impacts on other people. Professor Sally Caswell, thank you for talking to The Lancet. Many thanks to Professor Sally Caswell and Kelly Morris. And thank you all for listening. See you next week.